Today's reading is Acts 20, 28 through 38. It can be found on your screen. This is God's word. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, some will rise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit to you, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can be built which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me, please, as we look at this, look to listen to this passage? Our God of grace. Um, we um, come with different things on our hearts and we might feel very disconnected from each other because of circumstances and and we might even feel really disconnected from you so my prayer is that in this time you would hear us and hear the longing of our hearts to, to know who you are to know how you have a relationship with us and how we can depend on you. Because we're adrift in all sorts of ways. We're more of a mess than we care to admit. And that the story of the Bible tells us over and over again that even though we're a mess, we're more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever imagined. More broken than we care to admit, more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever imagined. And you have put those two things together because you moved you move towards messy lives. You move towards failures to restore, to redeem, and to lift up, and to bring us who have been alienated from your presence back into your presence where we belong. All on, on your efforts, not ours. And so humbly we come forward with hopes that this message is true. And would you speak to us in such a way that our lives might be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, that you were going through some different analogies of the church. Um, last week we talked about the church being the bride of Christ. This week we're talking about the church being the flock. So what do we what do we learn by this? What how does this help us? How does what does this teach us? And I want to focus very briefly on three things. That the fact that we are the flock means first of all that we are purchased. So we are a purchased group. Second of all, that we are poised to divide. Or maybe I should say, it sounds a little, a little better to say prone to divide. 
but either way. And then third, that we are nourished in the valleys. Okay, so first, purchased. We are a purchased flock. And so our passage today is, is you know, Paul saying goodbye to the church in Ephesus, and he's saying he's not going to see them again. And he, and he really centers around this idea of the flock. And he talks to the leaders. He's saying, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And so the church, essential to our identity is that we are purchased, that we are bought. God has, um, through the good shepherd, the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep, has purchased, has purchased us and has great stake in us. And that is that is essential to our identity. So if we listen to, um, we listen to this uh, shepherd from this book here. His name is Philip Keller. I'll put that book there. Eh, maybe you can see it. Maybe you can't. Philip Keller. He's got uh, a few books, and they're all put together in this one book. A shepherd looks at Psalm at the twenty-third Psalm. A shepherd looks at the good shepherd, and a shepherd looks at the Lamb of God. He was a real-life shepherd in East Africa. He becomes a pastor. He's a Christian, so he writes all about how these analogies come to life if you really know what shepherding is like. And he says this, When my children were young, they saved up their new dollars to purchase their own pet ewes. And it was a delight to watch them go out to the fields and call up their own sheep. Quickly, these ewes came to recognize the voice of their owners. When they were called, they would come running to be given special, some special little handout of grain or green grass. They would be hugged and cuddled and caressed with childish delight. It was something both the sheep and the owners enjoyed. Now the Bible says that that's like us as a flock. We're purchased. It says you're part of a purchased flock. Meanwhile, the Americanism kind of boiling up inside of us says, no way. I'm a cowboy on the open range. What are you talking about? A, a sheep in the flock just being led along. And so we have to ask ourselves, what possibly could a the idea of a, a purchased flock, what could a purchased flock possibly have to offer the world in a global pandemic? And I would suggest that, at the very least, amidst all the American cowboy agitation that we see in the news all around us, that we can consider that perhaps the church paints a very different picture, and maybe is one of the few places where people might get a different picture, of a group that simply refuses to demand that they get their own way. That there's something about the church's deep trust in the purchase, in the good shepherd paying with his own life. There's something of the deep trust in that and in being led by that shepherd that we're not a group that's clamoring and agitating to get our own way. And I wonder, I, I, I can only say that how, how refreshing and disarming that would be in our world today if that picture could be painted clearly that level of trust in the shepherd who bought us with his own life. So we're purchased. 
the flock is purchased, but the flock is also poised to divide, poised to be divided. That's a probably the, the least favorite part of this, this, this farewell that Paul has is when he says these, this very sh kind of scary thing. He says, I know that after I leave, and he speaks it like it's, it's absolute fact, matter of fact. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, some will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Just kind of absolute fact. Well, um, if we think about this, um, my, mind, my mind drifts towards the last book in the series of the Narnia Chronicles where um, it's called The Last Battle, and there's this Narnian creature who is an ape, and his name is Shift, and he hatches his plan. Um, he hatches his plan because he finds this this um, um, this uh, skin of a lion wash up before him, and so he he hatches this plan to take this lion's mane and turn it into a coat and put it on his friend, the donkey named Puzzle. And and now his plan becomes that he's going to tell everybody in all of Narnia that Aslan has returned, and Aslan wants to do a whole bunch of things, but Aslan's only going to speak to him, and then he's going to relay the commands of Aslan to the world and of course you can only see Aslan when it's dark at night with very bad lighting so that you won't uh, see that obviously this is just a donkey with a silly matted lion's mane on his back. And and it's interesting I think C.S. Lewis portrays very well in in that one of the things he portrays very well is how 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 the Narnians come with all these questions, all these very specific questions about, well, would Aslan really do this? Would Aslan really do this? And, and Shift, this, this, um, the one who's behind all of these shenanigans, he has very good sounding, sweet sounding logic. And he, and he keeps saying, yes, of course, we're doing this because we have to do this because Aslan is so important and Aslan is saying this. We wouldn't want to make Aslan mad. He's got all of this wonderful logic that he keeps voicing and answering everyone's concerns and so that his selfish motives can draw away scores of Narnian creatures to um, all the evil plans that he has. Friends, I, I would just say that in the flock of the church that there definitely is a good warning to pay attention to, to be beware, of, beware of the new and loud voices bringing glistening logic it usually feels like uh, the stuff that we're being warned of here, the division we're being warned of here, usually feels like fervent, noble, you know, really working hard to to stick to what we think, you know, our convictions. We've got to get things going in the right directions again. And so the warning is to keep watch and listen instead not to the siren's call of the new logic, but listen instead for the shepherd's voice and know that voice well and listen together. And so lastly, so we, we've said that the flock is purchased, the flock is poised to divide, and lastly, we, we've got to admit that the flock is nourished in the valley. Um, there, there's no other way to put it than that um, something like a global pandemic, which is what we're experiencing, is um, is not a peak. We are not at the at the highest heights. We are in a valley, and this is not a time to be tricked into dividing. 
Um, but as Psalm 23 says, you know, we're, we're going through the darkest valley. And, and interesting, if you look at it from perspective of, you know, David who wrote Psalm 23 and talked about the going through the valley of the shadow of death, what, what would a shepherd say about the importance of valleys? Why does a shepherd lead their sheep through valleys? Well, let me pull out my favorite shepherd analogy book again. And Philip Keller says this. He talks about how valleys are a unique place to actually be nourished for the flock on the dangerous journey. During the summer months, long drives can be hot and tiresome. The flocks experience intense thirst. How glad they are for the frequent watering places along the valley route where they can be refreshed. I recall one year when an enormous flock of over 10,000 sheep was being taken through our country en route to their summer range. The owners came asking permission to water their sheep at the river that flowed by our ranch. Their thirsty flocks literally ran to the water's edge to quench their burning thirst under the blazing summer sun. Only in our valley was there water for their parched flesh and how glad we were to share the water with them. As Christians, we will sooner or later discover that it is in the valleys of our lives that we find refreshment from God himself. It is not until we have walked with him through some very deep troubles that we discover he can lead us to find our refreshment in him right there in the midst of our difficulty. And then he goes on to, to make it a little more personal. He says, During my wife's illness and after her death, I could not get over the strength, solace, and serene outlook imparted to me virtually hour by hour by the presence of God's gracious spirit himself. It was as if I was being repeatedly refreshed and restored despite the most desperate circumstances all around me. I just fear, friends, that if we get wrapped up in all the feistiness you know, the feistiness from the left, the feistiness from the right, the feistiness from the Democrats, the feistiness from the Republicans. I think we'll find ourselves coming out of the other side of this, undernourished. Because in the dark va valleys, this is where the flock is watered. This is where the flock is sustained. And this is the time to draw together around the shepherd's voice to be nourished in the valley. I invite you to take a, a moment to just kind of draw together what God is saying to you through this time and use the words on the screen. The second two questions, um, what image from the flock passage seems most ripe with meaning for our church? Or how can we seek to be well nourished together by the shepherd's masterful leading through the valley? Those are good questions for further reflection, perhaps after this time. Let's just take one minute. Let's pray. Our God of grace, um, we pray that you would um, that you would help this message to seep into our lives as the church, and that we would be a trusting flock, that we would be a flock nourished by your grace, and that we would be a flock that um, listens for your voice and knows it well through the valleys. In Jesus' name, Amen.